Hello and welcome to the Soulful Self Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Cora. This podcast is a resource for all spiritual beings to grow personally, heal emotionally, and align with our highest spiritual involvement, no matter what this human experience throws our way. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Soulful Self Podcast. I am your host, Chelsea Cora, and I'm really excited to have you here for another fantastic interview today. Today, I am interviewing my dear friend, Tylee Personette, who, among many things, is a yoga teacher, a holistic health coach, a conscious mother of three, and an overall amazing human being. I met Tylee over a year ago when I first attended one of her classes at the yoga studio that I have a subscription to, which is called Black Swan Yoga. It's kind of a local chain here in Austin and other parts of Texas. And I was really enjoying her energy from day one. I just loved how genuine and down-to-earth she is and also just such a real person. It's like what you see is what you get with Tylee. And she is also such a great mother. I always enjoyed hearing her talk about her kids. And actually, conscious parenting is something that I'm really interested in. Although I myself am not a parent, I know from reparenting my own inner child that there are a lot of ways in which our society at large can be pretty unconscious when it comes to bringing children into this world and basically the way that people generally do or do not listen and validate their emotions and things like that. I had a lot of inner child wounding to remedy, and I think most of us do. So I'm always fascinated with the stories of parents who are opting to do things differently, to invoke the principles of conscious parenting while raising their children. And what I really got out of Tylee's time with me today in this interview is that in order to be a conscious parent, it's really all about becoming a conscious individual. It's about learning how to understand and meet your own needs so that you're truly able to understand and meet the needs of your children. So we talk some about her own journey, her own spiritual awakening, and her endeavors with yoga and holistic health, but we also talk a lot about her journey as a conscious parent. So I'm really excited to present this conversation with all of you today. So without further ado, let's welcome Tylee Personet to the Soulful Self Podcast. All right, I am here with my wonderful friend, Tylee Personet. Tylee, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on the Soulful Self podcast today. And I was wondering if you could introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners, kind of by describing your cultural background and upbringing. Um, I'm Tylee, and I grew up in a mixed family. My mom is white, my dad is black. Grew up with my mom. And um did a lot of athletics. I was in gymnastics and was able to connect to my body pretty early. Um, 
was a dancer then through high school, all that kind of stuff. Then I met my husband pretty young. So I've been in partnership with him for 13 and a half years. And now we have our beautiful family and I reconnected to my spirituality in a way that is just continuing to grow. And now I'm teaching yoga and doing all the health things, all kinds of things. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much for that kind of overview synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So I'm wondering if you can tell us more about your spiritual journey. Like, was there, you mentioned that you could connect to your body pretty young through gymnastics, but was there a point in time where you kind of had a spiritual awakening or what was that like? I think I've had several spiritual awakenings or, you know, really hard hit the wall lessons in my life. Um, definitely young. I always felt like I was connected to something else, whatever that meant. Um, didn't have any words to describe that, but am able to now look back and see those things, you know, but my biggest spiritual awakening that has allowed me to like solidify, you know, continuing on this path, um, was getting a DUI, you know, five years ago, hitting the absolute rock bottom and refiguring, you know, who I want to be, who I am and, you know, what I want to leave this legacy, if you will, or what I'm leaving for my children. Like it matter, it matters so much. It always has, but that's when your eyeballs open, you know, like what's happening. How did I get here? How did I lose myself or disconnect from myself so far? That was my wake up, you know? So coming back to that, that's all I really needed. I'm, I'm try and, and learn. I will show up and do the learning and the spiritual learning quickly. And that just led me, you know, back on my yoga mat, back into meditation, all these things that I was doing before in my life, you know what I'm saying? So, and then teaching and continuing to be that student is, I mean, that's everything for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so yoga has obviously been a big part of your journey. And that's how I met you. I go to your yeah. class. I love your class. You're an awesome yoga instructor. <laughs> and Thank so I'm you. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, what does yoga do for you? How does it fill your cup? Yoga to me is everything for real. I know that sounds cliche. I know that sounds whatever it is. It's everything to me. I remember when I was a kid and watching on like PBS or something like that, this Hawaiian lady who would do yoga. And I'm like, what is she doing? I, at the time I was doing gymnastics, the slower movement and breath was not what we were doing. And I'm like, what is she doing? It looks amazing. Would try it and feel great, you know? So like I experimented and dabbled in yoga so long ago. And then as I was transitioning into dance, found my way back on a mat more seriously. There was a yoga class offered at my high school that I was in. You know, I, I like loved it and loved how I felt. Um, it just took me a while to kind of step into the teaching, but my healing and, and coming back to my my healing journey after hitting such a low was yoga. I mean, I found myself on my mat so often to really like start to listen to what was going on, getting back into the body, what the body was saying, where these emotions and different blockages were held, like 
that to me is everything. It, the body carries so much information and I am just fascinated by it. I want to keep learning. Awesome. Yeah. And I know you're also an integrative health coach. Is that kind of yeah. how you describe that work? Yeah. So I'm curious about yeah, absolutely. that part of your journey with holistic the health. The holistic health coaching. Yes. Love. I always felt that was going to be like a great stepping stone. You know, I, um, I went to IIN and got health coaching certified. Wait, can, you, can you say what that was? IIN? IIN is integrative institute of nutrition and um i went there though after probably like six months into my personal journey of rebuilding myself and finding myself that kept calling to me because food has always been so important in my life like i'm obsessed with it love it love the taste but i also cook like i like creating food for people I want to know how to cook all of the things. I also want to know why we're eating it or what we're eating. I'm pretty aware of what some of these foods can do. Like food to me really is medicine. And it's just that what seems like a next step. And I am so grateful for the information and everything I have because I'm forever going to be a health coach. I want people to get to the root issues of what's going on. And to me, that made more sense than going into like nursing or something like that. I found my healing, how I want to help people in, you know, this more holistic alternative way, because it includes everything, the mind, body, soul. And that is so important to me. I just want to keep helping people. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I love that. I love how spiritual you are, how in tune you are with your body and just always reaching for that next level for yourself and wanting to uplift others along the way. And also, I'm really curious about how this mindset and this way of life plays into your role as a mother. And if you can even talk about your journey in motherhood, because you have three kids now. So Mm -hmm. what is all of that like? And what has it been like? Yeah, yeah, being a mom is hard. Um, It's the most rewarding thing in the entire world, though. Um, But to go, you know, a little further back, my husband has two other children. So I have two bonus kids. I really have five. We have, you know, our whole beautiful blended family. So I had a few years of just seeing what uh, being a father looked like, to be honest, you know, because my parents grew up separate. And that was really interesting to me. I'm really interested in why people are the way they are, how they move, what made, you know, what did they walk through, you know, with no judgment. I'm like, literally curious. And so to watch my husband be a father was amazing to me, you know, just, and so for us to then create our own family is just awesome. Like the way he shows up for our kids, he, you know, he gets a lot of credit there for sure. But I had my oldest when I was 21. So to a lot of people that is, is fairly young. And that is young when I look back, but I'm grateful for being the age I am now, being where I am now and having my children, my kids be as old as they are. I have a 12, 10 and seven. So we're navigating, you know, middle school and coming into middle school or the older grades of elementary school and like figuring out who they are and want, you know, 
who they want to be. And every day is different. Every stage has its difficulties. You know, every stage also has its like, its glimmers, its miracles, like these watching the children is just amazing. That kind of circles back to, you know, being a yoga teacher. Like I'm obsessed with watching people grow and see how awesome they are. Like, cause everybody is awesome. Like we really are. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've heard you say that before. And like, you're so passionate about this idea that everybody matters, right? Like no matter yeah. what you're going through, no matter how much 100%. the world tries to push you down, you matter. And I'm kind of seeing this yeah. in you now, how probably since you kind of watched your children as they're growing, these wonderfully unique beings coming into the world and how that's all of us, right? We all have an inner child yeah. and we're all unique. And I think that the lens of a mother can really show that the most. I feel very responsible for giving them all of the tools. Like I missed a lot of tools. I'm, I had to relearn. I had to unlearn. I had to do a lot of filling in and really like figuring out and remothering like inner child, literally done it all. Like I've had a lot of work to do because they're worth it seriously to be good humans and have the tools to navigate through some of these things. Like, it is. It's really important to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how would you describe conscious parenting versus unconscious parenting? I mean, in a very general way, I just feel I've been thinking about this one because, you know, I want my words to come out right because I don't feel judgmental towards anyone. I feel like everyone is literally trying their best with the consciousness they have like they have to be self-aware to then be a conscious parent in my opinion because there's a lot of work that you look at and then you're like hey I want to make sure that you have these hard conversations with the kids I want to make sure that they are seen and heard and loved that's all anyone ever wants is to be listened to and felt seen like you can take those few moments, you know? And so sure, sure. Kids have a lot of words and sometimes these stories get long. So then you are teaching a boundary where you say, Hey, can you finish telling me this story in 10 minutes? I do want to hear all of your words, but I also am done with this story for a second. You know what I'm saying? I feel like a conscious parent is aware of like the person they're talking to whether that be a child or another human being, like, honestly, same, same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I, don't, I mean, unconsciousness is just not quite aware yet. Not even noticing maybe what's happening, what's really happening, how they're feeling. It's that disconnection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I don't have kids yet, but I've done a lot of reparenting of my own inner yeah. child. And like one of the themes that has come up for me is I started to notice during my childhood how programmed I was to kind of give my own my own agency or my own voice away 
to the voice of an external authority, right? Instead of listening to my own intuition, because from a young age, I just accepted this belief that the adults know better than me. My parents know know what's right for me more than I do. But when I go back and I heal these inner child wounds, I realized that I had a lot of wisdom within me and I should have been encouraged to listen to that. So is that kind of something that you do with your children, encourage them to listen to their intuition? Thank you for sharing that because I resonate very much almost to the T with that, with your story. I mean, there's a part of my story where you get lost because you're like, well, maybe they're right. You know, maybe you're supposed to be doing all these other things and then you do those things and then you fall off and you're like, okay, whoops. And I was right-ish the whole time. And it's not about being right, but it's like, I really should have just trusted myself. I very much resonate with that. And that is something because I've experienced that in my life, I make sure the children know what these feelings are in their belly, what that, you know, they guessed this was guessed this was going to come, blah, blah, blah. And then it shows up like that is your intuition. You are being led, you know, through these things, but you also have choice. You can listen or not, but like knowing what it is, identifying those things. Yeah. It, it's almost like number one. It's like one of those things where I'm like, if it is something opposed to me, like if you think it's going to make me mad because you want to do this thing and it may not make sense to me, I need you to still do that. Like, it's okay to disappoint me. Like I'm at the point where that's not disappointing. Like you must have a reason to want to do X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? It's so important because I, that's how we get lost. Yeah. So I'm curious though, like, cause I imagine that can be challenging sometimes too, especially when you're in mom mode and you're trying to get stuff done and you kind of have these rules and expectations in the house and the lifestyle. And then, you know, maybe one of your kids is feeling intuitively like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Have you ever had a situation like that where there it kind of created some conflict or you did have to move through some disappointing feelings and kind of what was that like? That's a good question. Um, there's a lot of structure in my house because I feel like structure allows for more freedom instead of it being like chaos. I myself, I'm, you know, I have six planets in Capricorn. I'm, I like um, structure and feeling secure and safe. <laughs> um, but I have found for myself, for my kids, for my family, that that uh, they know this is expected. And then they're allowed to do whatever you want, like, you know, within these guidelines. And that works for us. And I mean, my youngest is a unicorn. She literally is rainbows. Magic is going to rule the world one day, but there's guidelines, you know? And so it just like, I feel like that structure helps with that because no one goes wild. There's no tantrums. There's no, we have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? If you get this done, then you can, then you can do your thing. And then we're like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, I feel like it's communication. As long as things are clear, like the other day, it's actually funny. Cause I was telling, we were having a conversation and my son comes up and he's like, those things over there, can you, I'm like, can you fill in like, and things? So we're being more specific. So we're both on the same page. So it's just always working about speaking clearly. What do you need? How are you feeling? Why do you not want to do that? Like, that's fair. If that makes you 
you know, uncomfortable today or whatever, you can do it next time and sharing the loads, like being a whole family, understanding that there's more people that live here than just you, your emotions and feelings do affect other people because we care about each other so much, you know, talking about the things like you have to talk about the things. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that you're having those conversations, especially about feelings and emotions, because that's another big one that gets repressed for a lot of people yes. growing up. You know, we live in a culture that's pretty emotionally immature, that doesn't really understand how to deal with things like anger or sadness. And we're always trying to like, fix it or dismiss it, instead of just being with it. So what, Breath. what does emotional management look like in your house? Breathwork. Okay. I mean, it's just wild because emotions last, what, 60 seconds, really, if you sit with it. And I grew up in a home where my mother repressed her emotions 100%. And I am, I think I'm safe to say that because I think she is aware of that. But I think also that's caused a lot of physical dis-ease that causes all kinds of, of blockages and and stuckness in the body. and and having grown up with that, I'm like the opposite, like shake all of this out. This isn't yours to carry. Like it, it really isn't. And I know that our hearts are strong enough to get us through some of the really hard times. I mean, it could be more than 60 seconds. It could be months. Like there are hard moments we have, but for me, learning how to breathe changed my entire life. I mean, I wish I could go back and do some things because now I know how to breathe right. Like, and passing that to the children, like watching them pause and take deep breaths is one of my favorite things <laughs> because that now is like comes second nature to them because they know how it feels. Like it is so important to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you say like knowing how to breathe, that just means actually tuning in and focusing on your breath? Well, that's a good question. Um, Very high percentage of us, at least in America, breathe up into the chest. So anxiety, stress is just building on top of this anyways. You always hear about this weight on your chest. It really is about activating that parasympathetic nervous system and hitting that vagus nerve, which is your deep belly breathing allowing the breath to travel all the way down and working with the body. I mean, the diaphragm is moving. If you breathe like that, then you're breathing with your body, slowing down the breath, regulating all kinds of systems, especially calming your nervous system, that kind of stuff. We, you know what I mean? Breathing through your nose, you know, there's a lot of mouth breathing. You know what? We have a lot of asthma and all kinds of dis-ease from just not doing it correctly. So it's just the more and more I personally, like I said, forever a student because there's so much to learn. It's amazing. It's just amazing. But the more I do it myself, practice it, the more I teach, the more I learn. It's like everything. It's everything to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I was thinking about that right now and I was kind of just taking some deeper breaths as you were talking and they're really, right? yeah. <laughs> if someone says like inhale, exhale, you're like, okay. Or like take a deep breath. You're like, oh yeah, I should do that. Like, and it's kind of wild how some of us catch ourselves. We're like, wow, I haven't done that in a while. Mm. Like that's not good. Like just cause 
you need that reset. Like, I don't know. I find myself breathing slower, more consciously through the nose and feeling clearer minded and less, less anxious, you know, and ready to go as long as I'm like paying attention, but it does. It's a practice. It's like everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's a great tool. And I hope that listeners will kind of take that into consideration themselves. You know, like next time we're feeling super busy or stressed out or anxious or got to get to the next deadline or whatever, right? Just really take 30 seconds, pause and three deep breaths and then start going crazy again if you want, but, or you may move just a little more, you know, consciously. Yeah. So that was pretty easy to share that tool with your children because once they started trying it, they liked it and they're like, okay, this makes sense. I'm going to use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they're siblings. They still get into arguments. So I'm like, everybody breathe. And then we're, what are we, and then we're, what are we even fighting about? You know? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's just amazing. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. kind of talking about some of the dynamics growing up right and one of them was yeah. that your mom repressed her emotions and that one's super relatable I think that we're basically yeah. trained to do that in this society um, and I feel like people like you and I and anyone else who is committed to doing their inner work are kind of like cycle breakers you know we're breaking cycles of generational trauma and dysfunction and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what what are some of the woundings or patterns within yourself that you've had to confront and heal that are now creating a different path forward for your children? No, such a good question. I completely agree. I feel like, I feel like for one, it isn't entirely um, my mom's generation or, you know, that generation's fault as far as talking about emotions and feeling comfortable and safe enough to do those things. I feel like that was what they were taught again, back to doing the best you can with what, you know, you know, and so that being said, we, our generation does have a lot of work to do. And I feel like is ready to step up and do that work. And um, for me, worthiness is a big one, just having to work so hard to get what, you know, I think I'm worth. And that took a long time to build. I mean, I was, I feel like living to other people's expectations and, you know, visions for my life for a long time, which is what, you know, brought me to my rock bottom and shift. Um, But without learning, you know, or watching what happens to someone who doesn't express their emotions, I mean, that was the first thing that I went back to. I mean, like, there's no lying. There's no full transparency all around, always. And you can do that kindly. And to me, that's been, like, number one, especially within the structure of my family. Communication with my partner is something we will forever work on. But I am so proud of us because those are the things that are hard. I didn't watch good conversations about hard things with two parents or any parents or any uh, mentor-like person. I mean, there were no hard conversations, for examples, to pull from. So for me, it was like, Tylee, you can do this. I trust my marriage and my relationship with this man enough to 
have these hard conversations, like, because we will continue to show up for each other and grow from this, but there's no good that comes from not expressing yourself truly and how you feel, especially if you feel hurt or betrayed or misunderstood. So emotional trauma stuff, big one. Um, and then, I mean, probably some I'm and I'm continuing to work on all of these things, but one of the last one probably is just this generational wealth, this money story. I feel like a, a lot of us too, there's, there's a lot there because we feel like we didn't have that knowledge though. You know, a lot of people say it was there in the classes and I'm like, well, but some of us didn't get to go to the colleges that had the classes and have these things. So re figuring out what like safety and structure really looks like to me, what I want that to be. Um, Cause I want my kids to be taken care of. I don't want them to have to worry about money. And I feel like that's been something that's within my family and I don't, that's not my story. You know, I know I can live a life that I love and be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Some very like fundamental belief systems and structures that you grew up with that kind of impacted inherent senses of worthiness, right? And that's that's just the general yeah. outline for most of us, right? Is like totally. we kind of absorb whatever dynamics or belief systems are present in our childhood. And so what is some of the work that you have done to rewrite some of these narratives for yourself and to heal? I mean I always say that my kids are my biggest teachers. Everything I do is for them. I mean, yes, it betters me also. And I care for me because I can't then care for them if I don't. But it's like, it's almost like I'm learning alongside in real life, to be completely honest. I mean, a lot of the emotional stuff is internal work. That's an inside job. And it was my responsibility to look at all of the hard things. And there's a lot of hard things but I want to be a good example. They're watching me constantly. You know, they're watching. They're very just intuitive and sensitive like I am, you know, too. So it just is. It's so important for me to just show up how I want to be seen, how I want them to see me. I want them to know that I see them as well, you know, and that I love them. It just it really is. It's like all for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that how you said they're always watching my example, because I think what a lot of people don't realize is that whatever example you are modeling to your children is going to have probably a greater impact than the things that you're like directly teaching or telling them because they 100%. Yeah, they they pay attention to what's modeled and subconsciously that gets imprinted on their psyche. And so that's kind of what they end up being or expecting out of life when they're older. And you mentioned that you model being a good human, like you kind of talked about that at the beginning. Um, And I'm wondering, how do you do that? And what does that mean? How do you model being a good human to your kids? I mean... I'm sure a lot of people have an opinion of what a good human is to me. I just want kindness and love. I'm like old soul hippie over here. So, you know, excuse me and all, but I just want us to take care of this planet. I want us to care about our neighbors. I want everyone to feel seen. That really is important to me. I want, you know, 
world peace. Like go out. If there's trash on the ground, like it just doesn't make sense to me why it's still on the ground. Like pick it up. Why are there still people throwing trash out the window? Like things like that, calling it out to the kids. So then you can, I guess, make your choice, but you also are aware of how that affects our planet and the whole cycle. Like we're all here together trying to do our best. Like why not take care of it? Our earth is so very important, you know, and we're like trashing it. That makes me sad. That also makes my kids sad if I tell them the truth. Like you have to not lie. You know, I think have the hard conversations, address the emotions. Like my kids see me cry almost every day. You know what I'm saying? Like allowing the release, like there's no shame in getting angry, getting frustrated. I'm like, yeah, we live with a bunch of crazy little people. Like, of course it gets frustrating. And also you can go find space to regulate that and, you know, chill by yourself. It's super important to have your own alone time as well. So you can like figure out what's going on for you, you know, just trying your best, just try your best. I know life can be hard, you know, not trying to like scare them, but I'm just real. Like, I feel like I didn't get a lot of the truth and that I need the truth. I need to know why we're doing these things. You said that like the double standards, I grew up with that. Like, so I clean with my kids, you know, I show them, I will never ask you to do something I won't do. Never. Like it's important for me, for them to know that we are the same. We really are the same. We're all here just trying to be, feel good, be happy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a minute ago, you were talking about how, you know, you're kind of also, of course, showing up for yourself first and foremost, because as we all know, if you are not filling up your own cup, there's nothing to pour from, right? Yeah. And so in this whole idea of modeling being a good human to your kids, what is the role of self-love and self-acceptance? Yeah, I mean, it has to be number one because, I mean, I learned that the hard way. I learned that the hard way. My rock bottom was me pouring all the way empty, past empty, broken glass, like done, like absolutely emotionally done. Can you explain like in detail what that was like? Um, I had to go back and do a lot of learning about what that was like, because I didn't know how disconnected I was from myself until I came back to myself. So I, there's so many words, like I actually don't have words to describe the emotions and how disconnected I was from me, my body. Okay. But all the things. But like, what did your lifestyle look like? Right. Because now it looks like doing yoga and the things that let you up and being very conscious sure. of breathing. Right. But back then, what did your lifestyle look like? My lifestyle, I was drinking, obviously, and suppressing emotions. I mean, I was not I don't think I had a job like I was caring for um, an older person. So I was a caregiver at the time who was also drinking all the time. And it was just a whole bad situation. And so far from anything that I ever identified myself with, I guess, like I, 
have a hard time even putting words to that because I don't know I don't know who that person is um and so when I finally when I got onto the other side of that because literally it took one like it was one day and then here we are the next day I'm like no like absolutely not never like here's Tylee now rebirth straight up like we have a lot of fucking work to do but my self-care and my um self-respect and self-love journey was establishing my morning routine whatever but making sure that I had space in the day to get onto my yoga mat to return to a meditation or breath work and I had just started my like serious meditating like trying to figure out what are these people talking about at that time you know what I mean now I I mean I've been doing it every single day since then. Like it is really about consistency and just continuing to show up because that's where you keep learning. I mean, more and more that there's the depth, but it was like hard at the beginning to even want to keep, I'm like, I don't even want to move on my mat today or I definitely can't focus or I definitely don't want to breathe. Like that sounds boring. Um, I don't have 20 minutes to do that. You know, I could be doing all these other things, but it really is like, is showing up. It's just doing it. Even if it's rolling out your mat and sitting there for the allotted time that you set for yourself, you're establishing a habit. You're still showing up. One day you're going to want to open your journal and write a couple lines. One day you're going to find yourself in child's pose and you've taken a couple deep breaths and now all of a sudden you're, you've moved a little bit, like it grows. It's just continuing to show up. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, absolutely. So what I'm kind of hearing is, you know, at first when you were growing your yoga and self-care and meditation practice, it was a little bit hard to dedicate 20 or so minutes because you're thinking these are all the things that I could be doing. And I'm assuming for everyone else, Right. And that's kind of like yeah. that that pouring from an empty cup is like, yeah, we could take 20 minutes for self-care or we could stay busy and keep doing things that need to get done for everybody else. And then at the end of the day, we're feeling like so low energy that we might be leaning on alcohol or some other unhealthy, unhealthy coping mechanism to move on with life. Right. And that's really no way to live looking back, I'm sure. And so going back to self-love and self-acceptance, I just want to hear you talk about this because I know you have a whole workshop about it. And so what else does it mean to you? Self-love and self-acceptance also tying in kind of self-forgiveness. You know, it's this whole body mindset to me of understanding that you are also human. You know, you've been through things and you are worthy of healing those things. I always find gratitude in like, the little things. But when I heard in my meditation one time, gratitude for the ability to heal, like big facts, like the fact that you can actually look back on some of these things that you may not feel great about and just hold your heart and understand that like, it really is okay. Like you've been through a lot of things. Inner child work is really, really helpful for self-love and acceptance and um, I actually keep a picture of little baby Tylee on my bathroom mirror because it's just continuing to remother and, you know, fill in the gaps that you may not 
have felt seen or heard or understood because you are like worthy of love. We all are. Mm-hmm. But that just fuels the relationships to anything else. You know, if you don't fully love and accept yourself, you're not going to allow anyone else to look at you for real. Mm-hmm. Then you're hiding and we're trying to get out of the shadows. Yeah, it's amazing what a game changer self-love is. You know, it's like a way to supercharge your self-worth and therefore everything that you are an energetic match to, you know, and it's a way to just really improve your whole standard of living. And that's something that Lacey Phillips talks a lot about. And yeah. I know you're also a fan of her work. Oh, yeah. And her program has kind of helped you also to do some of that inner child work and healing and subconscious reprogramming. Yeah, I did TBM for like four years. I mean, that changed a lot of narratives for me that helped uh, me remother myself, you know, that helped, yes, inner child work, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I love her manifestation work, but the neuroscience for me, I mean, I could feel that immediately just rewriting those pathways like rewriting the story like you can do that you can allow the emotions to process and you you know I don't know it's amazing the brain the body is just amazing yeah I know it is incredible what is possible like when you get into that meditative state and how you can really access your subconscious and you can really rewrite those stories and kind of just work with the realm of energy to shift this reality that's created by energy anyway. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like all of these things, like it's okay. We got this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And so I'm really curious too about if you are encouraging any sort of spiritual exploration or awareness with your kids, what does that look like? I mean, they hear me talk about crazy things all the time. (laughs) So they are allowed to have their own, you know, beliefs, opinions, judgments, but they also have seen the magic happen in real life. They've seen manifestations come through. They've seen, you know, one day my oldest asked, she was like, what if we saw, we were playing this rainbow card game that we made up. And she's like, what if we saw a car that was all rainbow, like, red, orange, yellow, green, you know, like striped, literally up the street and around the corner was a rainbow bus. I'm like, like, it was amazing. I mean, so they're allowed to believe what they want, but they're also like, like to see tangible facts and they have that gift too. hold on to those visions, like hold on to the fact that that is possible because it is like, I've seen all kinds of cool stuff. So Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, holding on to that farm dream. (laughs) It's coming. Yeah. (laughs) Having a farm and lots of animals, right? And all the animals, lots of cows, please. Or like five or six. I just want them as pets. Ah, that's sweet. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, like how kids, whenever they first get here, like they're babies and they're growing up, how they're more connected to that realm of spirit, right? Because they just got here. And so... Mm -hmm. So we didn't mess them up yet. 
Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of times um, kids can have experiences of like having an imaginary friend that's actually a spirit because they're able to experience the realm of spirit, right? Or they have like intuitive psychic knowings. And this can get really easily dismissed in a world that doesn't believe in spirituality or whatever. But have you had any of those experiences with your children? Totally. Bryn, my youngest, she had had has an imaginary friend though you know everyone's always skeptical if she's like pulls it from a tv show or something but all you know to be real all of the kids are so very intuitive that they'll be have you know they don't have an imaginary friend necessarily but they will have an experience to where like they know they may have like a guardian angel or guide or you know like I don't know how that happened but it happened kind of thing they know spirit has their back whatever they decide to call it believe we're all talking about the same thing you know something much greater than us yeah that's beautiful yeah I love how just just the fact by being who you are you're able to validate your kids in so many different ways because that's that's thank you for saying that yeah <laughs> Definitely. I think that that's where a lot of people's wounding takes place, right? Is in that dismissal or not being validated for how they feel, what they think, what they believe, what kind of spiritual experiences they may or may not be having. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, we all just want to be seen and heard and loved for real. Like just let everybody be and do their thing as long as you're being kind. Mm -hmm. Doesn't need to be this disconnection, you know? Yeah. And yeah, like, seeing them each individually, not forcing them to do anything. Like they all have their own personality style, you know, do your thing. Like, do your thing, girl. We see someone crazy dressed outside. I'm like, yes, that takes a lot of courage. Like, that's amazing. Pointing that out to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have any advice for somebody, let's say, who's a parent who might be feeling overwhelmed, because that's a huge thing that comes up when people have kids, right? It's a lot to handle. It's a lot to manage. And yeah, I don't know, just just somebody who's living in this world with all of its imperfections, like what is the number one piece of advice or guidance or consolation that you might give to somebody with kids? This is a hard question uh, because parenting can be overwhelming. You know, I think honestly, if you're in a partnership and in a relationship, it starts there. And in the communication of asking for help or being honest about your emotions, straight up, like it starts with, Hey, I am feeling overwhelmed here. And then delegating, like, could you please just unload the dishwasher today? That would feel like a really big help or figuring out what their love language is. For me, it's access service, like do some stuff. And thanks very much. Like, I know you care. And so it's like, whatever, but that comes from the communication, figure out what that is. And that is step one. And if that, you know, isn't a healthy situation, I know, I know how hard it is. Single parenting, seen it, watched it. It's very, very difficult. I've done it for a little, like there's, there's parts, you know, Um, but then it comes in asking for help. Like, what is the support system around you? if that is available to you. 
asking, you know, for some space is always nice. Two hours by yourself, just little things are really, really helpful. One hour to go to the yoga class for yourself one day a week or whatever. Do like those, those things that need to be done, you know? And then obviously it kind of goes down from there that, but it always for me is helpful to put myself in a mom timeout for 10 minutes. If that's all I can do for the day, I make sure the kids are safe, put them on a book, whatever, turn on the TV, you're going to be gone 10 minutes. So then you walk to your closet and sit down and close your eyes and breathe. Like everything is going to be okay. Really? You know, are the kids healthy, cleanish, fedish? Then you're doing a good job because like, it's hard. Like it is hard. You're guiding little humans, mm-hmm. but coming back to yourself, if that's the very last thing you can do, take the 10 minutes for you that changed my life, setting that boundary, even with my kids. Hey, hi, I need to step away for a sec and self-regulate myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Making sure that you can take that time, however little it is, right? And just really use it for yourself to breathe, to do some stretches, to visualize the things that you want in your life and feel the feeling of having them (laughs) before they get here. Yeah, all that stuff. And I love the other thing that you have been emphasizing kind of throughout this whole episode, which is conscious communication, right? And it starts with yourself, like really sitting with yourself and saying, okay, how am I feeling? And what do I need right now? So that you can go out and make a specific request, whether it's from your partner or from a family member who might be able to help or from your kids themselves, right? Because if we're just feeling overwhelmed and we're not really able to identify what's going on in our own internal world, how are we going to be able to communicate that? And how are we going to be able to change anything, right? Or actually get our needs met. So we have to be on top of that within ourselves first and foremost. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm like over here shaking my head off because yes, it's just, it was something that I had to teach myself. I'm proud of the way that I communicate and advocate for myself because I, I had to learn that, you know, and mind you, I was 20 something years old. Like it's, it's not like I was a kid. It just, it's hard saying the things you need is hard. Setting boundaries can be hard. Like, you know, I know we see all on Instagram, our little set this boundary, you'll be like, I understand it can be a visceral reaction of like terror in your body to set a boundary. Like it is difficult to press past that feeling. So it takes practice, be gentle with yourself, but yeah, it is identifying and then actually verbalizing and doing the things, you know, Mm -hmm. it takes time and, and desire to do it. Like you have to want to. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to take a minute now for you to kind of tell us about your offerings and where listeners can find those offerings. Um, all of my offerings will be on Instagram. They change. I don't have anything crazy coming up right now. You I'm don't? at Black you don't have Swan. A, a shopper course coming up. <laughs> well, I'm working on it. It <laughs> okay. is going to be ready. I just didn't haven't put like a date on it. Okay. It, but it, I mean, that is coming, but that will be up on my Instagram. You know, I have everything on my link tree. Um, 
at Tylee Personette and teaching yogs at Black Swan. I love being there. So come see me in studio. Schedule will be on my Instagram. Everything I kind of try and update, I use that almost as a website. Okay, that's good. So people can go to your Instagram, look at your link tree, and check it for all of your upcoming offers. And if you are local to the Austin area, then you have the opportunity to go see Tylee when she teaches yoga at Black Swan Studios. And one of the things that she does that you do in your classes is you go through the chakras. So you'll spend one month per each of the seven chakras in our body and the flow that you do will be dedicated to moving the energy in that area. And you also have these really creative handouts that you give us that have a lot of information about that chakra. And so, like she said, she's working on an upcoming chakra course where that information and those tools can spread beyond the Austin Black Swan Yoga community and basically virtually anywhere. So I want people to keep posted for that. And other than that, it's going to have tons of information too. It's loaded full, you know, all kinds of goods, how to work with the subtle body energies, um, really identifying what's going on inside, who you are, all the goods. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I know I'm really excited to check that out. Thank you. Yeah. And it's been an honor having you on my show. Finally, I've been wanting you to come <laughs> for a while. So I'm really glad that you could come and just share some of this everyday wisdom. You know, you, your own experience in this world is so unique, yet there are so many universal themes that can help so many people, especially when it comes to the very challenging topic of conscious parenting. So thank you so much for being exactly who you are and for sharing yourself with our listeners today. And you're so sweet. Thank you. I know it's been a minute, but I'm no so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Of course. And thank you to our wonderful listeners and viewers. This has been another episode of the Soulful Self Podcast. Mm-hmm.